0: Oh, thank you, Cassie. I speak, in English. So I'll be speaking English, throwing some Afrikaans words every now and then. But as I Afrikaans, then laugh a little for my English accent. And I shall do that today, laugh for my English accent. Then I'm gonna throw in some Russian words, and. Uh, but now Alessia will call me out for not making sense if I just throw Russian words around. So it's a bit of a catch 22, so I'll stick to English. Uh, but yeah, uh, this morning I wanted to share with us, um, and, and Fritz has mentioned some of it already, but just our, how our story is uh, God's invitation to others um, for him to reveal himself. Um, we're going to read from John chapter 4, verse 39 to 42. And then I'll start at the end of that story and then go from the beginning and then uh, reach the end again. Uh, So Jesus had um, spoken to the Samaritan woman at the well, and after she had told her town about what Jesus had done, uh, this is the conclusion. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him Because of the woman's testimony, he told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, because of Jesus' words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. He is is God. He is the Son of God that uh, His Father sent to the world to redeem us so that we could have a relationship with Him again. And yeah, so this morning as I I share, I really pray that you will realize that your story um, is God's invitation to those around you for Him to reveal Himself to them. In the same way that the people around you would come to the conclusion uh, that He really is the Savior. He really is God. Um, And if you read this entire chapter 4, John chapter 4, this entire story, which we're not going to do this morning, uh, you'll see that Jesus says some wild things. Um, uh, I think if someone were to rock up here today and say some of the things that Jesus said, uh, most of us would be skeptical. Uh, number one, he said, he started speaking about living water. Uh, so he told the Samaritan woman, I'm going to give you living water. And not many of us have seen living water. We've all seen water that runs in a river It doesn't have very much life of its own. Can't breathe anything. And Jesus is telling her about living water. She'll never thirst again. If somebody came in yet, not even the best salesman in the world could stand in front of you this morning and tell you that he has water to offer you. And if you drink it once, you'll never be thirsty again. No one, no one would believe that. Ni Afrikaners ni yellow Um He tells her, "Listen, I'm, I'm going to give you living water." And her response: she calls out his scam. She, she, she says, "You don't even have a bucket to pull water out of this well. How are you going to give me water?" Uh, so she she caught him out. Um Next, he also tells the disciples went to get food in this town. That's why he was sitting at the well. Um, They come back, and Jesus tells the disciples, Listen, guys, I've got food that you guys don't even know about. (laughs) The disciples must have thought he was crazy. um, He clearly didn't have any food, uh, physical food at least. And he had just sent them into town to get food, uh, and they came back with food, and he didn't want to eat any of it. Um, So Jesus was, I mean... It was pretty wild, um, pretty mystical at this stage. And there's another part where he tells the disciples that four months ahead of the time that the harvest is ready, which is clearly physically not possible. Um, But uh, obviously Jesus is speaking about spiritual things which aren't physical, which we don't see with the the natural eye. And um, I hope that you see this morning that even though there are physical aspects to your life and your story that there is a spiritual thread in your life. Uh, There's a theme, there's a story, and I truly hope and we truly pray that uh, the climax in your story is the point where you meet God and your life is completely transformed, where you're conveyed from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, where you are saved from certain eternal death without Jesus Christ to assured hope without a doubt that you will be saved uh, on the, when you die, that you will be with God in heaven because of one sure thing, one certainty. Jesus is the Son of God. That's our hope. He is the Son of God. And if He is the Son of God, then He is our Savior. Then it is true that His death and resurrection means that us sitting here, can be saved only by trusting in him. Then the last, I said there was the last thing, but here's another thing that he does, which you can correct me if I'm wrong, Cassie, but to my knowledge, um, he does not do this anywhere else. He actually, t- he t- um, let's read the verse, uh, verse 25 to 26. So, this to me is uncharacteristic of Jesus, and I'll tell you why now. But he, uh, the woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. And in most of the other places that he sort of insinuates, he, he leaves clues to the disciples, to the people listen, I am the Messiah. He And at some points, there are parts where he tells his disciples, listen, I'm the Messiah. Don't, like you guys have figured it out, okay? I am the Messiah. Don't tell other people about it. And then they go and tell other people about it, okay? So this is a case where this Samaritan woman who's had five husbands currently living with a man who is not her husband, totally looked down upon in that culture and community, she is to be despised by the community. She's to be not accepted, not looked up to. She's not a role model. She's not moral in the community's eyes. And yeah, Jesus, the Son of God, the Creator in creation, does something uncharacteristic to to this woman. He tells, listen, I am the Messiah. I am the one that they're speaking about. Um, And so I just want to pull out three themes quickly in in this passage, Um, and I really pray and trust that you will believe uh, that your story uh, is God's invitation to others for Him to reveal Himself. Um, In verse 28 uh, to 30, after after He tells her that He is the Messiah, she leaves her water jar. The woman went back to the, the town and said to the people, Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Right. An invitation. Would you agree? Come have a look. We're at the well. <laughs> There's some water. Come have a look. This guy just told, prophetically told me my life. How would he know that? Could he be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Is that the end? <laughs> That's the end of what I wanted to pull out there. And uh, she has this experience, this encounter with Jesus. She hears and starts to believe that this could be the Messiah. And she goes and tells other people this amazing story. And she had zero training. I think her scriptural knowledge was very little. uh, Only what she would have heard. I don't think she would have been a synagogue goer. Um, but she would have heard um, from a- around the priests, the traveling priests and so on in her culture, that would have, she would know, and it seems that she does know quite a bit of it. Um, but she had a vocabulary. She had a certain context, a certain way of speaking that was very specific to her community. And, I mean, we you'd agree with me that your vocabulary, your word is limited to your, what you, cons- what you uh, receive and your community and your environment. It does make it challenging nowadays that we have so much media um, that you could actually spend so much time on American politics and actually Americanize your vocabulary and your, the way that you view the world, um, or whatever other culture that you you know, spend a lot of time watching. But I think it's so important to maintain and to be grounded and involved with the family and friends and the community around you and to keep the vocabulary and the, the context of the community that you're in. Because I'm 100% sure that she went, she, what, what would she have spent? 10, 15 minutes with Jesus. And then she would have gone back to her town and told people in their language, with their analogies, with their history, with their social context, she would have told them what Jesus did. And the lights would have gone on for them. This is what we' are looking for. This is what we want. This is what our hearts desire. And they came out to see him, and many of them were saved. So, don't try to train yourself too much outside of, um, you know, your context. Don't, you know, we could spend uh, a lot of time studying before we feel like we're ready to tell uh, people what God has has said. And um, I also remember when I was younger, I was reading the NASB, the New American Standard Bible, very high English, very wooden. Sometimes the words together don't make sense. And I realized that it it affects my, it affected my vocabulary. It affected how I speak. Um, how, the way that I communicate uh, with you this morning is a lot more like normal language compared to what I would have done. Um, I would have been using different words. Um, but I, um, I'm i convinced that we need to be speaking normal uh, you know, language that's from our town, and and, and, and we, we don't realize how quickly we start to use uh, what we used to call Christianese, and words that jargon, you know, words that w- in our close community, we would all know what we mean, but outside of this uh, little network, other people wouldn't necessarily understand uh, exactly what we're saying, We'd have, and uh, so yeah, stay in touch with, with people around you who aren't you know, using the same vocabulary and uh, wording that, that, uh, that we would be in this context. And, and, yeah, she, I mean, it looked pretty of her own will that she went and told others about Jesus. Um, I don't see there in that scripture specifically that Jesus said, you know, hey, you know, <laughs> you go. Um, and, and, yeah, so it's, it's part of who we are. We are storytellers. Um, A braai wouldn't be a braai without a good uh, story or two, and uh, we are very natural at at talking about these things, and what percentage of your conversations with your friends and family are focused around work, um, sport, uh, recreational activities, fishing, all those types of things, And um, if we can increase the percentage from 0.5 to 1%, uh, that's a 100% increase, I think it will be a great return. And I I, I definitely think that uh, what the story that she is telling here is actually, she's telling of the moment that she realizes that Jesus could be the Son of God. Um, Interesting story from when I lived in Moscow, um, there was... I don't even know how I got. Uh, I had obviously with what the teaching that I was doing. I had a couple of expats that I knew, and um, interestingly, I think what interested them a lot is that I went there straight after I'd finished the theology degree. So everybody asks when we, uh, we did training together, like forty or fifty of us. Everybody asked like, "What do you? You know, what did you study? All the usual questions. Where do you come from? What did you say?" Um, and Obviously, so I'm telling people, listen, I studied theology. and Oh, that's so interesting. I've always wanted to. Um, and somehow, so through these connections, people would, uh, you know, want to have a coffee. And so uh, I had one expat guy and an Armenian guy. But I think the Armenian guy just wanted to practice his philosophical English. Um, but they, they wanted to uh, talk to a Christian. That was how it was uh, sold to me. They wanted to, you know, speak to a Christian and and figure out, you know, Christian way, so I was like, okay, cool, sounds like a great opportunity, and uh, the conversation was basically them trying to convince me about, you know, moral values um, that, you know, are better, you know, by reason and science and so on, and evolution and those types of things, and at some point in the conversation, it, it got kind of repetitive, and I just said, like, listen, guys, I really, I don't believe in God. Or subscribe to Christian values, because I 've gone and assessed all the other values and thought, this is the best moral way for me to live my life. That, like, that's not what got me to this point. You know I didn 't go look at, okay, Christianity, these are the good things that you need to do, and this is how you need to live, and then Muslims, Islam, like this is how you need to live and this is what you need to do, and then what science is and all. These. I didn't do that assessment. What happened in my life was... There was a point when I was 16 years old, somebody told me about the grace of God and that Jesus died in my place. He took the punishment, which is eternal death, on himself so that I don't have to bear that punishment. And that, changed, and, and that changed my life. That is why I believe in God. Like, th- that was the encounter. I felt it was a revelation. It, was some, it opened up to me. It became a reality. It felt like God was speaking to me in that moment. It felt like my entire body and soul resonated with this truth and was yearning for the love that, of the Father God. And in that moment, I felt like I can receive it by faith and not by trying to earn it. And that, was the, and, and that was the message that was given to me. And I feel like God gave me the faith to believe it in that moment. And that is where I met God. In a hostel room, midnight, after the lights out. We were not supposed to be Christians. And uh, that's where I met God for the first time in a real way. That was my meeting point. That is the intro, that is my story. That's, that's where my story with God begins. That's, that's the invitation that I give out to people um, leading up to, you know, telling about God's story. When, when I was living in, in Moscow, um, we would do what Alessia says we shouldn't do. Uh, <laughs> we'd go on the street and, uh, and talk to Russians um, and, and like, people from Kazakhstan and Uzbekistan and Ukraine. I must say about three to four out of 10 people, males specifically, that I met in Moscow were Ukrainian. Um, Don't know if it's still like that. Yeah. Um, and Some of the Ukrainians I know still live and are working in Moscow. Uh, Interesting. But uh, we did that and and we, our strategy was um, we would we'd have a survey, we'd ask people about their spirituality, you know, how, do you, do you ever pray, you know, um, have you ever been to a church, do you think the church should help people to find eternal life, so very generic questions, and then um, we also asked them the question, uh, if you stood before God today, uh, you know, and and he ask you, why should I let you in? What would you say? So we, we had these kind of conversations with Russians. And I must say, six out of 10 uh, of the Russians, especially the older ladies, would, they, when you greet them, they would answer, have you lost your mind? Has <laughs> your mind left you? <laughs> uh, I think those especially the Orthodox people would, um, would, would answer us like that. Um, and, and, yeah, and then, you know, if we could get through, most of the time, we, we would get through most of the questions. And the final question was, can I tell you um, about, uh, you know, my experience? And ve- very few people said no to that. And, um, we re- and basically, uh, just tell how that, what I mentioned now about when I was 16 years old, how I met God and, and how my life changed. And then without asking their permission, I would just tell them about the cross and how Jesus came and was sent by God the Father to die on the cross so that there could be no more distance, no more separation um, because of sin between, between us and Him. And uh, that, was, that is how I used what God has done in my life to tell people about Him. And I am convinced I'll get to the the climax, but the the point that I'm trying to make is it's not so much about your story. It's much more about the invitation to allow God to reveal himself to people. And for some reason, somehow, God has made it so that he wants to do it through people like you and me. He wants to do it through the Samaritan woman. A woman who merely told the people, listen, this guy just told me about my life. Could he be the Messiah? Like, that's, I just want to tell you, that's the standard. (laughs) Not the standard. That's how low the bar is for us. That's how simple God wants it to be. Listen, I think Jesus is the Son of God. What do you think? Can I tell you why I think Jesus is the Son of God? You know, it's not—it's not analytical. It's not, doc, like, Wayne Grudem-type systematic theology. Okay, it's—it's it's an invitation through your story, what God has done in your life. So that God can reveal himself. And he chooses, chooses to do it through him displaying his glory in your life. And if you have met Jesus Christ, if your life has been transformed by him, everyone has a story. It may have happened in a moment. Or it may have happened over years. That, help, that God revealed himself to you and that you came to the point where you decided... I am going to give my life to God. I am going to surrender my life to Him. I am going to follow Him because He is the Son of God. He is God. I remember uh, it was my second year studying theology in Wellington it wasn't easy because we were studying in the mornings and then, believe it or not, we were doing dance classes and mime, mimeing classes and practicing teaching and preaching. So our day was like full and then in the evenings we had to prepare for the next lessons and so on. So I just remember coming to a point in my life where I started to wrestle uh, with whether this is true or not, <laughs> like is Is this all actually true? Does God exist? Were the type of things that I was wrestling with as a second year theology student. Very, um, you'd be surprised how common (laughs) theology students uh, start to wrestle with uh, the existence of God and and those types of questions. But I was honestly, honestly doubting. If I'm, I'm, and I'm sure, I don't think many people would be honest if, if they said so that they've never doubted that God exists. Um, and I was honestly doubting, and not just like, the, oh, maybe. I was like, I really don't know. I really need some convincing. I was in a prayer meeting. Um, back, back then, our prayer meetings were very loud, a big circle, jumping, and uh, very interactive, uh, you could sometimes scarce hear yourself think, but, which was good. And I just remember in that moment, I was, asked, I was really, I was, I was in, in the time that I was doubting God's existence, praying to him. Praying to the God that I didn't think existed. And I just remember, I mean, it's so hard to describe, but an ultimate Undoubted, Nivyereyatna, <laughs> without way, there's no way that I wouldn't believe. I was convinced that Jesus is God. There was a, it's as if God gave me the faith again to believe that He is God. And since then, there's been no doubt in my mind since that day. Lord, until you test me again. (laughs) Uh, There's been no doubt in my mind. I cannot waver. I cannot drift from this path because I know that I know that I know that Jesus is God. And if Jesus is God, then everything that he has ever said is 100% true. And I have to believe and do everything that he says. And that was a scary conviction to have. Um, but I, I cannot shake, I cannot shake it. I can't get rid of it. God has given me the faith to believe that. Um, and this is the same revelation that the, the woman at the well has. Um, it's not just, you know, God hasn't just, and the, the irony of it is when somehow very biblically, God starts to improve your life in all spheres when you start to follow Him. Emotional health, spiritual health, physical health, mental health. As I follow God, my mental health has gotten better. My relationships have improved. I was on a one-way ticket to addiction. And I, I was not going to come back from that on the path that I was going, and God gripped me out of that. He ripped me out of there, and now I have healthy, emotional relationships with people. That, to me, is a miracle. I don't think that should have ever happened. But because God transformed my life, I am raising two beautiful, loving, energetic, <laughs> uncontrollable I think that is a miracle that I have children this morning. Um, God has completely improved the status and the health of my life. But it is only because of a, a miracle that he, he saved me. And it has to be focused on that. Um, because I can currently, I can go read very good psychology And watch a lot of YouTube videos and study a lot of studies that have been done on, you know, currently the thing is you need to wake up in the morning, you need to get out into the sun, you need to exercise and have a cold shower. I think the cold shower is first and then the exercise. Okay, that's currently the best practice um, to to keep you healthy. If you don't know, now you know. Okay, (laughs) But you don't need God to do that. You can improve your life without God. That's a, that's a stalking reality. You can do things to make your life better without God. You can train yourself, you can be, you can be disciplined, um, you can be successful at business without God. That is a reality that is a temptation that we face. We are tempted to live a, to improve our our status and our lifestyle without Him. And I want to encourage you this morning that anything that isn't grounded, rooted, and founded in Him is not eternal. It might improve your life for a a short period of time on this earth, but that's where it ends and that's where it stops. And we need to resist the temptation of that short-term gratification of improving life here and now and forsaking eternity um, and so the last theme if you didn't know the first theme was uh, what has Jesus done um, and, and tell others about it the second one was that people will believe let me read the scripture verse 42 again um, they said to the women we no longer believe just because of what you said so people won't believe just because of what you say or because of the invitation that you, you extend to them. But now that we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. Does it end does it have another that that is what God wants to get to is that He wants people to hear for themselves that He is the Savior of the world. And our our role in this is is merely inviting and and pointing people towards that. Could this be the Messiah? Could Jesus be God? Is it true that God exists? And the last theme um, is, what, what is your story? And like I said, if anybody has met Jesus Christ, if you have surrendered your life to Him, um, you've got a stop, you've got something to fall back on. You've got something to say, you've got a story, however small you think it is, however unglorious you think it is, you have a story that God wants to use to invite others so that He can reveal himself to them. Uh, One of my favorite stories, and I'm going to compare two people. Um, I'm going to compare one of the criminals on the cross. Well, actually, let's look at both. And then we're going to look at Peter as well. Uh, So Luke chapter 23. Um, So one of the criminals, the one whose example we should not follow, uh, who hung there, hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. How temporary, that's exactly what I'm talking about, improving my now and here, okay? Uh, Jesus, your God, apparently your God, if you are, save me now. Um, And we can do quite a lot of analyzing for ourselves about how we do that in our prayer life to God. It's like, God, I'm really stuck with this, you know, if you really exist, please, you know, remove my debt. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, we give these ultimatums to God sometimes. And that's exactly what this criminal is doing. This is not the example to follow. Uh, The next one. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God? He said, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me When you come into your kingdom, Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. This man did only wrong to end up on the cross, rightly so, for whatever crimes that he committed. He was punished, according to the justice system of that day, with crucifixion, which was the worst kind of sentence you could get. You had to do some really bad things to get there. And it looks like basically one, maybe two statements that he makes that seems to be the, the pivot of his life. He said, Don't you fear God? It's like, Have you got no fear of God left in you? And then he says, When you get into your kingdom, will you remember me? He recognizes the, the authority. And the fact that Jesus is God. And I mean this guy does nothing for the kingdom of God, except that his story is written and that we get to talk about it today. But in that moment and up to then, how had he contributed to the kingdom of God in a meaningful, God glorifying way? I wanna I wanna guess and say zero. Uh, and Jesus saves this guy. How much more can he save you in your lifelong journey of, of living and, and loving God and loving others? How much more can he be your savior? Um, and it 's just this story always astounds me that faith and trust in Jesus recognizing his kingship, that he is God completely transformed this man's life in an instant in which he would die very shortly after and he would make it to be with God forever. But most of us here, we've met God and we're still alive. And uh, most, uh, I don't know about you, but I think my life is a lot more like Peter. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I strike out quite a few times. Uh, Just quick three strikes of Peter. Um, Number one, Jesus says to his face, get behind me, Satan. I mean, probably the worst. (laughs) I mean, Jesus himself telling you that you are speaking on behalf of the devil, Uh, you know, be silent, be gone with you, Uh, must be quite. A hard thing to hear, (laughs) to pick yourself up, to pick up the pieces and to move on. Um, But it, it seems like Peter does. And then Peter steps his foot in it again, happens to be there where Jesus, where someone asks him, do you know this man? And he outrightly denies Jesus Christ, which is something that says, it's said in the Bible, if you deny me in front of men, you know, I won't... I won't acknowledge you in front of the Father. And after that, you know, obviously there's reconciliation later <laughs> uh, between Jesus and Peter, where he asks him, you know, where he says, Peter, do you love me? Asks him three times. And Peter says, Of course, Lord, you know I do. Um, and an- another case is after Jesus has been resurrected. Um, Peter is a hypocrite. He's one way in front of the religious Jews and another way in front of uh, non-Jews. Uh, and and Paul calls him out. It's written in stone for us in Scripture for us to uh, continuously tell you know know that Peter <laughs> made a mistake again. Um, and you know, I don't know about you, but I I can relate with with Peter (laughs) Um, stepped my foot in it quite a few times Uh, made mistakes um, but yet Jesus seems to always be um, willing and wanting to forgive and to reconcile with me Um, and he's for some reason he's still using using he used Peter and I'm telling you now it's very hard to be worse than that Um, and if God can God can reconcile with Peter. He can definitely, definitely reconcile with you. If God can reconcile with a criminal who has done nothing but sin on this earth, then He can reconcile with you. Um, and if you don't believe that, then we would love to pray with you this morning. Um, so, you know, start with start with where you met God. Um, start with your story. And, and tell others about it. Tell your friends and family in a language that they can understand. And God will use your story to reveal himself to others. Let's pray. Yeah. God, uh, thank you, Lord, for your uh, intervention in our lives, Lord God. Thank you for your activity in the earth, Lord God. Thank you that you're living and active. And, Lord, we fall so many times, Lord, but I know you are there to pick us up again, Lord, as long as we turn and trust in you, Lord. As long as we turn and trust in you. And, Lord, I just pray. And and pray with me as as you are there. Pray to him. Talk to him. But, Lord, I know know that sometimes... uh, We get weary of trusting in you, God. I know that sometimes we run out of the strength to trust you, Lord. And Lord, I pray, God, just as we think about how you saved us and as I've been telling stories of how you saved me and how you've saved others and how you've saved those in in the Scripture when you were on earth, Lord God. Lord, I pray that you'd give a renewed and rejuvenated and reinvigorated trust that you are faithful to love, to forgive, and to save, Lord God. And if there's anyone here this morning that needs that conviction, that needs that refreshing, Lord, Father, will you send your spirit? Will you give them faith, Lord, to know that that you are the one who saves? Lord, and I pray for our community, Lord God, Lord, for those around us, Lord God, that you would give us the, the courage, Lord God, just to tell the story of what you have done in our lives, Lord God. Lord, and I know because it's in the Bible, Lord God, I know it's, it's written, Lord God, that you will use a story that you've orchestrated in our lives to reveal yourself to others, Lord God. We trust you, Lord God. We love you, and we look forward to the future with you, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Um, sorry for all the English. and uh, We hope that you enjoyed the morning with us. And please stay and linger as long as uh, the fans are on. Um, Eugene will probably switch them off when it's time for you to leave. <laughs> um, but, yeah, please enjoy the rest of the morning with us. Connect with each other. And uh, have a lovely week. Bless you.